Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God and has called all believers to a higher standard of Christian living. If you'd like to learn and grow while understanding biblical teaching, then you're in the right place. Here is our shepherd, Pastor R.L. White Sr. Father, we thank you for an opportunity once again to speak to your people, Father, the precious souls you have placed here and the precious souls that you have watching and listening, Father, all over the world. Holy Spirit, have your way in this worship experience. Thank you for the enlightenment we're going to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Get your Bibles. We're in the gospel according to John. And it's kind of strange saying this for the first time in six months. But we are in chapter 18. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Brother Marvin, amen. I'm going to be talking about, so pick up on this today. I'm going to talk about the garden. The garden. The garden. What is the garden? I have people it, I meet all the time say, Pastor, you ought to check out my garden. Amen. We have concluded chapter 17, and what an amazing, life-changing chapter this has been. Body of Christ, whether you know it or not, you have grown And you have matured where you can now recognize when the enemy is trying to get you back on the roller coaster. Somebody say, I'm not going back. The reason I'm not going back is that was my old nature. Each week you come to church, each week you tune in, each week God is speaking directly to your spirit And he wants you to have a greater understanding of who he really is. And I love the fact that Emmanuel Church, we don't jump all over the Bible. We have systematically been studying the word of God. And that's why so many people tell me, Pastor, I'm not freaking out. I'm not stressing out. I'm understanding God more than I ever have. If that's you, raise your hand and say amen. The Holy Spirit, he reminds us each day that as a believer, I have been called to sanctification. Sanctification simply means what? Say, I have been set apart. I said I want to teach this lesson. How many of you really believe you've been set apart? You've never heard this before, what I'm getting ready to say to you. No, raise your hand because I'm going to. Do you want to hear the truth? Say, I have been set apart. I'm finding this out every day. We are not set apart when we become saved. When the Bible says that God knew you 
before the foundation of the world? The truth is, that's when you were set apart. So, Pastor White, are you telling me that I was predestined to be saved? Yes. And some people are predestined to go to hell. It's going to get really deep. But I guess, Holy Spirit, you want me to say this today. Say, I have been set apart. I want to ask this question. Please don't write. Look at me for a minute. How many of you have ever been in a situation or ever been in a place where you felt like, I mean, really felt like you just didn't fit in? Now, please raise your hand because I'm going somewhere. Hold them up because this is going to be shocking when I, get, when I say this. Even the children, bless you. Where you really, you know, you felt like, I just don't fit in here. It's just not right. You know why you don't, don't fit in? And if this is what the Holy Spirit is doing now, he's giving you time to realize you have not just been set apart these last 10 years. You've been set apart for a long time. That's why you've always felt inside of you, look at me, Sister Regiland, that you just didn't fit in. The reason you didn't fit in, because you weren't supposed to. Why are you trying to fit in where God has already set you? Don't you know how special you are? The reason as a child, uh-oh, how far you want to back up. When you was in your 30s, in your 20s, in your teens, you felt like you just didn't fit in. Nobody never picked you. Nobody never tried to cultivate a relationship with you. The reason they didn't, because God had already set you You are already predestined for greatness in the kingdom. Look at somebody say, I've been set apart. I'm understanding more of who I am. So when I look back over my life and wonder why didn't I fit in with that group and why did I not fit in with that group and why did that just feel a little funky to me because you weren't supposed to be part of the world system. God has qualified you before the foundation. Look at somebody say, I know who I am. Come on, say it, say it. I know who I am. I, I, I've been set apart. I, I didn't get set apart last week. I, I didn't get set apart when I had surgery. I was set apart a long time ago. And the reason God set you apart, because God said, I know the plans I have for you. God said, my plans are to prosper you. My plans are to pick you up, clean you up. 
Somebody say, I know who I am. When you know who you really are, you don't mind going out witnessing. And not witnessing with your, witnessing through your actions. I can't do that anymore. I can't go there anymore. I don't want to act like that anymore. Because, and Lord, I got to speak for myself. God, you know, I do not, I am not, and I will not go back to living. I'll wait for you. Come on, Jefferson. How I used to live. Talking in doubt, worry, fear. I've been set apart. Look at somebody say, I'm a faith walker. What you gonna do, pastor? I'm a faith walker. How you gonna figure it out, pastor? I don't have to, I'm a faith. What a blessing it is for God to work through us. None of our encounters are by chance. In today's lesson, we're going to be looking at chapter 18, verse 1, that contains significant theological implications, and it continues with the final hours of Jesus' life on the earth. When your connection is strong, there is a new level of self-control. It's a blessing for the church to begin to see through new lenses how Jesus is preparing us for our mission. And it's wonderful how the Holy Spirit, he is God, and he is giving us a clearer understanding of biblical scriptures. Now, if you don't come to church, if you don't tune in, you won't have an understanding of God's word. You can't pick God up. Thank you. And put him down when it's convenient. We just declared again today, there's no such thing as a part-time. As we continue on this journey in life, our spiritual maturity is also a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. And I told you this a few weeks ago, stop being so hard on yourself. If you mess up, repent. As God has showed you grace, show yourself some grace. Amen. It takes time. It's a process to develop spiritual growth. And since we are growing and maturing, it's our responsibility to let the world know that only Jesus is our mediator. Somebody said to me last Sunday, <laughs> Somebody that was visiting here, Deacon Slaughter, said to me last Sunday, Pastor White, we all serve in the same God. I said, no, we're not. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, we're not serving, serving the same God. You're serving the God of this world. Say amen. So we all serving the same God. We all going to the same heaven. I don't know what heaven you're going to. God wants unity and oneness, and the only way to the Father is through the Son. That's what we've been studying here for six months, how Jesus was preparing the disciples to carry out the work 
to start the church. And we are included. It's not just for these 11 men who are having the most challenging night of their lives, but we are included in God's redemptive plan. And we know here at Emmanuel Church, God always has a plan. <laughs> we have a clearer understanding of what God's transferred glory is. We have a clearer understanding of transferred honor. Here in chapter 18, we're going to start giving a brief synopsis and set a foundation on a couple of things that the church doesn't normally talk about. The events that took place this night that we're getting ready to get into changed human history forever. In chapter 18, we find, please write this down, how Jesus was arrested in the garden. Chapter 18 talks about how he surrendered himself as a prisoner. We're going to find out in chapter 18 how he was abused in the high court at night. Here in chapter 18, we're going to find out how Peter denies his Savior. We're going to research here in chapter 18 how Jesus was prosecuted before Pilate. And we're going to look at in chapter 18 how Jesus was put under an unofficial pop-up election where the people had to choose him or a man named Barabbas. This historical life-altering event is recorded in all four Gospels. That's how important this story is. And each writer presents Jesus from a special viewpoint. Please write this down. Matthew views Jesus as king of the Jews. Please write down 26th chapter, verse 47. The Gospel of Mark views Jesus as a servant and prophet. Please write down the 14th chapter, verse 23. The Gospel of Luke views Jesus as the Son of Man. Chapter 22, verse 47. Here in John's Gospel, he presents Jesus as, please write this down, the Messiah. John does not write in detail like the other writers did about the pain, the suffering, the abuse, but that's not how God wanted John to remember Jesus in this gospel. John viewed Jesus as the divine one. Gospel of John, chapter 18, please look at verse 1. Pastor's reading from the Amplified Bible. Having said these things, 
Jesus went out with his disciples beyond across the winter torrent of the Kidron in the ravine. There was a garden which he and his disciples entered. These 11 men had just heard him for hours open up his heart, praying, instituting the Lord's Prayer, counseling with them, talking with them. But now Jesus was walking towards the garden. The garden was a 15-minute walk from the upper room. Can you stop and imagine what these men, these 11 men must have been thinking and feeling? I'm sure their emotions had to be all over the place because their friend, their Lord, their Savior, the Messiah had been telling them for the last three and a half years, fellas, I'm going to leave soon, but now they're getting a greater understanding that he's talking about leaving immediately. And some of them felt like they're not prepared. Stop going off of what you feel like. What God has placed inside of you, it's in you. And the Holy Spirit, he will bring it out of you at the appropriate time. If you understand, Pastor, say amen. Can you imagine how upset some of them, them were? They were so mad. Some of them were angry. How could you do this? And then some of them were wondering and talking about somebody's missing. It's only 11 of us. Where's Judas? Ask your neighbor, where's Judas? Even though you don't hear Judas, even though you might not see Judas, even though you might even forget about Judas, Judas is always out doing his own thing. Let me get there in a little bit. Here, John's gospel says that they entered a garden. Look at verse 1. The garden's name was Gethsemane. The name Gethsemane, please write this down, means, very important, oil press oil press. The olives there were so large and in such abundance that they were thrown into a press and they were thrown into this press to be squeezed so their full potential could come out. But the only way to get the oil out of the olives was pressure. Don't think that just because you're saved, you're going to live a life without some kind of pressure. If you're trying to live for God at all, the enemy would try to pressure you from unexpected places. But remember what the oil represents. It was in this very place that our Savior, he was to go through the oil press himself. 
Jesus was about to go through the pressure of carrying the sins of the entire world upon him. He wasn't just carrying the sins of the people who lived during his day. He carried my sins. See, some of y'all sitting there like to, pretending like you ain't never did nothing. He carried my sins. 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore my sins up on the cross. And he was getting ready to die in a few minutes. So he goes to a place that is very familiar to him. When things come up in your life, when challenges come up in your life, where's your garden at? Do you go to the bar? To find relief? Oh, everybody's quiet. I better stay back here. People look like, don't talk about the bar, pastor. Good. So at least I know what I'm, where I'm talking to. Where's your garden at? When things come up, where's your place of refuge? When things come up, as a believer, the church should be your place of refuge. The church should be your place of sanctuary. The church is where God's spirit. Here in our text, look at your Bible. Jesus had been talking for several hours, but Jesus moves from speech to physical action. This shows that the connected relationship between our words and our deeds. As believers, our words are important that they match up with our deeds. Say amen. And what I mean about our deeds, when you don't just talk about helping someone, actually go ahead and do it. And when you do help someone or bless someone or encourage someone, stop posting it all on Facebook. Yeah. Pastor, I gave to the, to the people in the red buckets. I want everybody to know. Pastor, I went to the soup kitchen and, and helped help with the soup kitchen. Listen, the Bible says what you do in secret. Because see, some of y'all got, got too much of the world in you. You want everybody to see what you're doing. The Bible says what you do in secret, God will reward you. Hey, I'll tell this. Real talk. I was in a preacher's office once. <laughs> I was in a preacher's office once. Real talk. And this dude, this is probably 25 years ago, 20, 25 years. This dude had money laying all over his desk, just flamed out, and it, you know, trying to impress. When you meet somebody always trying to impress somebody, that's because they're hurt, sad, lonely, insecure. You really may not have God at all because God helps to fill all that empty space that all your junk cannot fill. He had all this money laying out on the desk trying to impress those of us who came in his office. Two days later, was picking up the phone to borrow money. 
Stop putting on shows. It's time for the body of Christ to be real. Say amen, church. And I don't know about you, but I've been through the oil press. When there's pressure, pressure will help produce what is inside of you. When you're going through a trial, going through a test, going through something, it's just a test to produce what's already inside of you. But sometimes God has to allow you to go through it in order for him to pull out what he put in. Wow. If that was for you, raise your hand and say, that was for me, Lord. Say, I know it's in me. Come on, say, I know it's in me. After Jesus prayed, look at your Bible, he moved. You know what God is calling you to do? Stop procrastinating. After you finish praying, the Holy Spirit, he will tell you when to move. Jesus knew that his mission had not been completed. That's why after he prayed to his father, he got up and moved. The teachings of Jesus are not just empty words. They actually lead us into concrete action. God is waiting on the church to take some action. And that's what I hear all the time. The beautiful action that the members of Emmanuel Church have been taking by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he went out every day representing the kingdom. In my actions, when I go out to witness every day, I'm helping to do my part. You do have a part. God doesn't save us just for us to sit down. God doesn't save you just so you can get up tomorrow morning and go to work. God saved you so you could be a witness, a living, walking, talking Look at your Bible. The Bible says that Jesus was in the Kinron Valley. The Kinron Valley represents the place of transition. And that's where God has the church right now. We're in a place of transition. Not only the physical church, but say, I am the church. And right now, God has you in the process because you're in transition. Transitioning into what? I'm transitioning into all that God has called me to be. I am no longer codependent upon anyone but Almighty God. Say man if you're there today. This place is called the place of transition. And sometimes your transition could last for months. Trust me, sometime it can last for years. But when God has a plan for your life, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It will work out. I'm not going to get upset. If, if the car break down, it'll work out. If the refrigerator go out, it'll work out. No matter what comes up, the doctor says something, it will work out. And not only will it work out, but it'll work out for 
Thank you, Lord, that you're repositioning the church. And if you really want to be right with God, I encourage everyone to repent. And in the times we're living in now, when you repent, God will give you acceleration and restore you to your rightful place. But you have to open up your mouth, and Pastor White's going to say this, stop being so prideful to say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know it wasn't right. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. And repentance really means to turn from it. Turn away from it. You really want to stop cursing? Do it. What you waiting on? Say amen, church. If you want to be right with God, God is ready, willing, and he's able. Look at your Bible. Jesus, by crossing this valley at night, it might seem that he entered into a very challenging moment. But Jesus knew that the judgment of the world was coming. And we know this today, those of us who are really in tuned, we know that the judgment of this world is coming. God is not going to tolerate all this ungodliness forever. Judgment is coming. I've never heard before in my entire life how young people are depressed at the age of 12. How young ladies have no value and no self-esteem at the age of 14. All because this world system has gone so far off track. The Democrats are bad. Republicans are bad. The independents are bad. The only one we can really trust Pastor, I'm not going to vote in the next election. You better pray. Jesus was going to carry out his mission and he moved from the upper room to the garden. When challenges come up, when difficult things come up, sometimes God will have you get up and move. Stop being stationary. Stop thinking that you're stuck in this situation all of your life. Stop thinking you have to tolerate certain things all of your life. God is saying to the church, get up. God said, I've already given you the power and the ability. You just have to walk by faith and not by what you can see. Your business would have taken off if you had a got up. Life would have turned out different if you had a got up. The Bible says in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall. God was going to lay the entire judgment of the entire planet upon his son. Jesus entered the garden. Look at your Bible. He could have went by himself, but he wanted his disciples to be a witness. He wanted his disciples to witness this historical event that would go down in human history forever.
Gardens throughout the Bible are linked with such life events that deals with peace and obedience. This particular garden becomes the backdrop that's going to save all of humanity. God sent Jesus to redeem mankind back to our rightful place because Adam sinned and messed it all up. And don't say when you sin, Lord, you know I messed up. Disobedience is sin. When you are disobedient to what God has said in his word, no matter what anybody says, when God says something's right, it's right. When God says something's wrong, it's wrong. Disobedience is sin. And God wants the church, the spirit of truth, to speak up and start calling things for what they are. It had nothing to do when Adam disobeyed God. People say, Adam bit the apple. There's nowhere in the Bible that says Adam bit a apple. I'll bet you a thousand dollars. Google it. It had nothing to do with Adam biting the fruit. It had to do with the obedience. When God has called us to obedience, don't allow the world to call you to disobedience. Say amen. And all of us are going to have a test just like Adam. But your test is not going to be the same. Listen, the devil knows when he sends his demons out, he knows whose house to go to. They know whose who's car to get in. They know who to get on, whose shoulder to get on in the morning. It was Jesus' custom when he entered into Jerusalem. Whenever Jesus would come to Jerusalem, he would go out and heal people, and we know he would teach all day long. But then when he finished his public work, he would retire to the garden. Here at the Mount of Olives, the garden was such a restful, peaceful place. Jesus would come to this garden all the time. And if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they would tell you that Jesus and his disciples came here all the time. Because it was such a peaceful place. When you walk in the doors of God's garden, this is such a peaceful place. Remember, and I'm jumping, so stay with me. When Adam was created, Adam was not created in the Garden of Eden. Google it. But when Adam was created, God took Adam and placed him. Aren't you ready for some supernatural replacement? Aren't you ready for God to supernaturally take your income from here to here? Aren't you ready for your supernatural physical healing to take place? This garden that was going to change human history, this garden where our Savior will be disrespected and dishonored. This garden, is it 
not without the presence of God. Yes, God was there, but yet God still allowed all of this stuff to take place in the garden. Just because you go through things in life doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that God is unaware. Doesn't mean that God doesn't care because he does. But God has to put us through a test to see if what he put in us is cultivating, is growing. Jesus is God. Look at your Bible. Here in our text, the disciples are not the only witnesses to Jesus' teachings. When he was in the garden, we find out that other people came in the garden too. When you're truly walking with Christ, there will always be people in and out of your life. But the important thing is, slow down to realize if God allows somebody to come into your life, it's for a reason. Jesus was getting even closer to bearing the wrath of God. For what? For his sins? No, because he didn't commit any sins. But he was going to bear the sins of the world. This lesson is to every believer. Even though Jesus was about to die, he did not get distracted. And God said to tell my church, don't get distracted. That's all the enemy's trying to do when you're going through stuff. The enemy's trying to distract you. But don't get distracted. What God has promised to do, he will do. Say amen. Adam, when he was in the garden, he had a relationship with God. But his disobedience caused his relationship to separate. When we're disobedient, we can't be in fellowship with God like we want to, but learn this, and this is to everyone watching this all over the world. When you're in disobedience, all you need to do is honestly and sincerely just repent. <laughs> Truly, this is what Jesus had been doing. This is what Jesus had been preparing. This is what Jesus had been facing. He was going to face people who hated him. And it is, I told you I say this very often, it, it's kind of bad when people hate on you, period. But it's kind of bad when people hate on you from your own family. These were other religious rabbis other religious teachers who were hating on him. Some people gonna hate on you just cause you look good. Some of y'all don't even know you look good, huh? <laughs> Some people gonna hate on you because you smile all the time. Some people gonna hate on you because that demon in them doesn't like the Jesus in. Stand to your feet. Jesus had said all he had to say and now he was getting ready to leave. Lift your hands to heaven. What a night Jesus is preparing to experience.
that would literally change the world forever. It is our mission, just like God sent Jesus, just like Jesus sent the disciples, Jesus also sent us out today to witness, witness, witness for the kingdom of God. And during this holiday season, is there a better time to witness? Don't say, I'll wait till February, I'll wait till April, I'll wait till 2024. No less witness for him. He's our Savior. Come on, say amen. He's our teacher. And because of Jesus, we are connected to the kingdom of God like never before. I encourage you, church, hold on to God's unchanging hand, and God will continue to reveal spiritual truths that have been set aside for such a time as this. Thank you, Father. We can always come to your garden, the church. Clap your hands. I know you received the word. Pastor just wanted to give you a short intro today. We're going to go a little deeper in the coming weeks. And we're going to find out in verses 2 and in verses 3 in a couple of weeks. We're going to find out where has Judas been? He just disappeared. But we're going to find out. Don't wait until the battle's over. Learn how to what? Shout right now. The word of God is life-changing. Get your hands out, E-Family. God bless you to everyone watching this broadcast. Pastor, I'll see you here next Sunday. Pastor's going to be preaching a Christmas message. You don't want to miss it. In Jesus' name, may his peace, love, and grace be with you this week. Help me say it, E-Family. Peace. God bless you for listening to this message. It is our prayer that you receive it in Jesus' name. Emmanuel Church is building, changing, and inspiring lives through the power of Jesus Christ.